And away we go, Hour 3, great day for talk radio. As Danny was mentioning, Leafs on the coast, and uh, that's a good thing because they're away from home, so they got a real good shot at winning on the road. Of course, they lost in Boston on Saturday, but uh, Freddie Anderson's back between the pipes, as he said, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. You know, we're having a wait-and-see approach, too, with this William Nylander story. If uh, this guy's not going to sign, he loses the year after December 1. I don't know if that's any good to him or us, and uh, if he does, what kind of an arrangement would they make that would be mutually beneficial? Uh, Because I guess I'm hearing that he's afraid that he'd be traded anyway or doesn't want to be traded, but uh, the Leafs would need to get something of fair value, and that would mean probably a right-handed defenseman if you're following that. All that being said, you know, this is hockey talk, and uh, there's a lot of it going around with the recent inductions into the Hall of Fame, six individuals, including Joe Bowen in the media wing, you know, as the broadcaster who picked up the Foster Hewitt Award and had for many, many, many years as his sidekick, one-time assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs and erstwhile broadcaster here, too, at 640 Toronto, our buddy Billy Waters, who has joined the Oakley Show. Billy, how you doing? Hank, Johnny, I couldn't be better. <laughs> what, what do you think? What did, what did you think of Bonesy going into the hall? Oh, uh, it was wonderful. I did. Joe is very deserving of that honor, as you know. Uh, John, you've listened to him, and uh, the audience that he's had, the best hockey audience in North America, perhaps the world, and he's a very popular person within that milieu i uh i was very happy for joe i didn't get to uh get up for the occasion uh, the luncheon but i sent my son brad and uh he was uh, once again very loquacious and he wasn't that long so he, he did a nice job <laughs> oh okay I, I wondered if he was still celebrating that was the question i thought <laughs> no, no he has to get to la by tonight that's, yeah. <laughs> that's right uh he and ralphie but you were a sidekick there i mean you did the co-broadcast with uh, how many years uh i was with him into six years and uh, i left joe uh in the fall of 91 to become the assistant general manager of the leafs but i was saying to joe uh when i uh, was doing his testimonial show that the five or six years that Joe and I had together, I don't know that I had more fun in any six-year period. It was, it was great. We we bunked together. Expenses were high. Pay was low, and I was still in the agent business, and Joe was just trying to earn a living. And believe me, back in the eighty-five to ninety-one when I was there, trying to earn a living it was just was a stretch. It was not great pay in the broadcast business, whether you're the color man or the broadcaster. And Bonesy turned that around when I left. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Or, <laughs> uh. But he started to make the big coin, and now he's wealthy, has his own condo up in Markham, mm. and uh, his big RV, Joe's, Joe's on his way to... Fame and fortune. Oh, yeah. And uh, still has those famous pool parties that go till about 4 or 5 in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you... <laughs> somebody forced him out there. I don't know. One of his neighbors said they'd had enough. Oh, really? That's why he went to the condo. Oh, dear. Okay. I, I just wondered, because, I mean, you could always spot his place. He had the uh, Maple Leaf stuff painted yeah. on his garage doors. Oh, yeah. And the pool and all. Oh, what a, what a crew. Great, great fun with Bonesy. Well, you know, this this was part of it, because uh, obviously, if you're saying the pay wasn't that great, but the fun was uh, priceless. And uh, were you working with Bonesy the night Glenn Sonmore's glass eye fell out in the Winnipeg Arena? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. 
that night. Uh, but I don't think Joe was either. Oh, okay. I just wondered because I remember I remember vaguely that story, Bill. Whose glass eye was it that went ca- cascading? It was, was Glenn Sonmort. Uh-huh. And uh, he has been reputed ever since then to always keep an eye on the game. <laughs> okay. I, I know the stories were legendary with you and Bones. Oh, no, it was true. He, he did drop from the... That's what the old Winnipeg Arena, and uh, he uh, he was up at the press box, and his, his eye was bothering him a little, and it popped out and right down the cement steps. It was bouncing quite nicely. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, uh, I think Joe, in a way, was blessed because uh, right along his tenure there, uh, he's worked with you, Harry Neal, Ralphie as well. I mean, uh always gives him cause to uh, get into his uh, outrageous cackle there, you know? Yeah. yeah, it makes him wonder why he was gifted with those three stiffs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jimmy Ralph is a, has a great sense of humor. Harry is wonderful. Uh, I I had a great time with Joe. We, we got into a lot of t- trouble on the air. I, one story I can tell quickly, he used to, we'd talk about uh, our hair in the terms of uh, he'd call he'd say well how are your locker mitts <laughs> like german hair mm. and i'd say oh that's fine you know with the, with you, and, and eventually it became the locker mitts and a next door neighbor of mine who was uh, about the age of my son uh, he comes over someday and he says you know what is that stuff that locker mist <laughs> i said oh no that's just one of bonesy so it was interpreted differently depending on how you heard it but mm. Uh, yeah, we, we, we had a lot of fun, John. You know that. Oh, well, I do. I'm just trying to recount some of the stories that you've told me over the years that uh, would still be playable on a family yeah, radio. They're starting to get a little thin. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, there were great stories. but well, One uh, of the great stories that I told about, I said to Bonesy, what's the most prestigious award that you and I won as a pair? I mean, we, Harry and Jimmy, we don't get any recognition for Hall of Fame broadcasting. I said, so what do you consider our most prestigious award? And he said, I I, I, I don't know. What what do you mean? I said, well, Joe, let me tip you off. Valentine's Day. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We were the Valentine's Day boys on page three of the sun. Oh. Oh, yeah. The two two boys. And it was just, I would think it was around 86, 87. But Christy Blatchford picked us as her Valentine boys. And the only reason was because she was a hockey fan, as you know, yep. outstanding writer and a student at North Toronto when I taught there. That had nothing to do with picking the Valentine. But Bonesy and I were very proud of that recognition, and uh, when I brought it up to him the other day, he was uh, he was quite fond of the fact that he was a Valentine's boy. I guess he'd forgotten about it. Yeah, well, okay. Uh there's so many other things that you could uh, regale us with on the road with Bonesy. I just wanted to mention, though, at the Hall of Fame uh, awards last night, uh, you know, the uh, six inductees, including Joe Bone, uh, you know, Gary Bettman, some people are kind of, uh, I guess, maybe uh, not thoroughly convinced that, uh, you know, as 25 years commissioner, uh, he's built the league into, uh, you know, something substantial, like $5 billion annual revenues, but he's still going. I mean, is that something that uh, you think is appropriate or inappropriate that he would be named to the Hall? Very happy for Gary Bettman. I, I like Gary a lot, Joe, or uh, John, when I was uh, doing our show on um, AM640, any time that I had to have him on, he was always very cordial, very uh, receptive to talking hockey, and 
I think he did more for Canadian hockey franchises, a.k.a. Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, even Vancouver when they were in a bit of trouble, and certainly Ottawa. This guy did more to keep those teams in Canada and keep Canada a very big part of hockey uh, at the NHL level and was not given much recognition because he's booed everywhere he goes. But I was happy for him, and uh, I I think it's very deserving. And as you pointed out, to build his 25-year legacy as a $400 million revenue league when he started and now between 4.5 and 5 billion that was quite substantial and you know what i noticed last night too and i thought of you john because i know you know this guy um the goaltender martin brodeur mm-hmm. talked about his dad denny brodeur he was a photographer yeah mm-hmm. the photographer for the expos the photographer for the uh, montreal canadians mm-hmm. and that was martin's father and the other thing that nobody mentioned last night he was also the the goaltender for the Kitchener Waterloo Flying Dutchman, who played in Squaw Valley in the Olympics in 1960. Wow! So quite a prestigious uh, resume for Denny Brodeur. But when they mentioned his name, I thought, you know, John spent time in Montreal in high places, and I'm sure he <laughs> ran into Denny somewhere along the way. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Bill Waters is with us on the line, broadcaster and former assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you, you know, I don't want to uh, move too quickly away from the hall, but uh, Alexander Yakushev was also named Soviet-era Russian star. He was like the first, I guess, Russian superstar in that confrontation in 72, would you say? Yes, sir. Yeah. And a wonderful hockey player. I'm sure if you saw him playing, you probably did. And I I got to see him play four times in Russia and many times after in tournaments. This guy was a very, very gifted big man who could skate very well and uh, had the ability and the knack to put the puck in the net. And I thought he did a nice job, although when Russian, of speaking about his teams. And he was in the uh, in the Russian uh, hockey program when they spent part of the month of July in the back sea, the Black Sea, at a resort, and they'd come out of it much stronger and much more prepared to play the next tournament. Well, I remember you saying, basically, they'd go beyond the Urals. These guys were a bunch of juice bags, and then they'd come and they'd play the Canadian teams. You guys knew... You know how small they were? They were not big in stature. Yakushev was, but the rest of them were always around 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", maybe, but they were so strong because they, they were... They were on the funny juice. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, Bill, uh, let me just mention as well, Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier. Jaina Heffer, of course, uh, with Team Canada and uh, numerous gold medals there. Uh, if I'm leaving it, oh, Martin St. Louis as well, a guy who defied, you know, the odds and got in and uh, won two scoring titles as well as uh, a Conn Smythe Trophy and a Stanley Cup. But i got to ask you close to home, since you were the uh, former assistant GM of the Maple Leafs, you've got Kyle Dubas now. Uh, this is this big test the Nylander case. Is Nylander getting good or bad advice here, and how do you think Dubas ought to play his hand? We're only a couple of weeks out before uh, this thing has to come to some conclusion, December 1, and then Nylander loses the year. Yeah, Nylander can play uh, only in the European League uh, as of December 1st if he's not signed. Well, I think it's time, uh, and I used, uh, been asked this question uh, before, and I used the date November 15th. I send a note to his agent, Louis Gross and his father, 
who, the three of whom I affectionately call the Father, the Son, <laughs> and the Holy Ghost. And I send the note to the Holy Ghost, and I say, we have withdrawn our six-year offer. We are prepared to offer you two years at a number that is not even close to what we are prepared to offer you uh, at, uh, on, the, on the multi-year level. Uh, and we would like you to notify us within seven days of your acceptance of this. Otherwise, we are going to try and trade you. And if we have no success, you will have to play somewhere other than the NHL after the 1st of December. I'd like to put the ball in their court because they've had the ball in theirs for about five months. And when you're a restricted free agent uh, coming out of entry level, John, that's the one time that the club controls it. And they've played far too much. And I'm not blaming Kyle for it. He's trying to keep the kid on the team, but it's pretty hard to keep him on the team when he defies logic. David Pasternak, who plays for the Boston Bruins and has become a superstar, played with William Nylander in Sweden. They were in a similar draft. One was drafted eighth, William, or sixth, whatever it was. And uh, uh, Pasternak was drafted 25th or 26th. But Pasternak's become a superstar. And William Nylander has been offered more money by the Leafs than the Bruins pay David Pasternak. So the logic has dis disappeared. I don't know what system they're using, how they're evaluating their client and or their son, but they are not doing it right. They've got to find a way to sign him in the sixes, and they'll be very lucky if they do. And if he chooses not to, then he'll have to be traded. Would he be easier to trade if they sign him? Well, I don't think any will t anyone will take him without him being signed. Sure. Yeah, they're not going to give them any of any substance because all he is is a restricted free agent and can be tendered an offer sheet. But to answer your question, John, yeah. And how they do that, I suppose, I wouldn't want to do that because if you back yourself up to the last week and he has to sign something, uh, you can, they can use that against you and you'll, you'll, uh, you, you'll, you'll pay him too much. So it's a, it's a very delicate balance. Uh, that a young general manager is uh, is trying to handle, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does by the 1st of December because it's now backing up and the water is rising. Well, as you say, you'd put a drop-dead date in there so you got some finality and everybody knows they're pressed against the deadline. That's good negotiating skills uh, as a GM of the uh, former GM, assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You didn't learn that doing the uh, stuff with Bonesy because, as you said, you took the short-end money. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, exactly. hey, Billy, Billy, uh, you know, the idea that uh, Nylander would be an asset, though, that's tradable and they'd get a D, with, which is something they desperately need. I think most fans have sort of uh, got that appraisal of their, uh, their otherwise they're solid right across the board. Uh, a right-handed uh, defenseman. You know, there's talk of Montour now coming out of Anaheim. Uh, do you see, what do you see as a possibility if you had to trade Nylander? Oh, boy. I don't know. I'd... The team that seems to be as interested as anybody is Carolina. Pesci. And John, and John here's the deal I'd make. Yep. I would trade William Nylander to the Carolina Hurricanes for Jordan Stahl and Falk. Their second or third defenseman, maybe, yeah, he's in their top three, but he's 25, 26 years old. 
Jordan Stahl is 31, and he has got at least seven years left in him. These two guys would make the Leafs Stanley Cup contenders. They might even win the first round. But I think they need a defenseman badly, a big, strong guy who can shoot the puck and is not afraid to defend. And they could use a guy like Stahl, who kills penalties, skates like a gazelle, uh, can get face-offs on a regular basis, and would look beautiful on their power play. Jordan Stahl is one of the best-kept secrets in hockey. So that would be my deal with Carolina. And uh, if they want to give me a call, I'd give them more reasons why. <laughs> uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and so Falk and Jordan Stahl, you think Carolina would bite on that? Well, I think they might. I'll tell you why, John, because mm-hmm. they, they're tight for money, as you know. Mm-hmm. But the $6 million that Stahl is making would come this way. And I think Falk's in around 4 and 5 The Leafs can afford it. They can. Yeah. They're with six, Stahl with six. And, uh, and Falk with four or five, they might be tight to the cap, but they could they could make appropriate changes that would allow them to uh, to have it fit comfortably. But these guys have still got to sign Marner and uh, uh, the big center. Matthews, what's he going to get uh, next year? Austin Matthews is going to be... Well, I, I have a hard time figuring out... Like, I, I know who the best player is. It's Matthews. The most effective player the Leafs have is Marner. Mm-hmm. He goes, he go gets, he goes get the puck, John. He ta- he's got takeaways. He's got a great sense of the game, as you know. He's a gifted passer. He's not a big kid, so he can't be physical. But all the other parts of his game, he's he's killing penalties now. He's 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 earning a raise as he goes along, and uh, they've they've got to be careful how they place those three. If you look at the Blackhawks, they just said, oh, we're not going to differentiate between a centerman and a right winger. We're just going to pay them the same. And they've never been the same. Hmm. The Blackhawks are now at the bottom of the heap, and it's too bad. But management at this stage with the cap is a very important part of going forward and, and, and having a winning team. And as you say, Marner, I mean, he's more durable. Matthews, you know, uh, who's to say what the future holds as far as that's concerned? But uh, some people are saying he'd break the bank next year at 13, maybe. Oh, no, 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 John, no. Nobody gets more than 12-5 because the most exciting player and the only player in the National Hockey League who brings people to the rink and brings people out of their seats and gets them to buy seats is Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. So they're... 12-5 12-5 is tops. They're not going to get that. No. Unless, unless, unless I'm all wrong. I just think 12-5. Connor McDavid took a $1 million haircut to get 12-5. Mm. He wanted them to have a chance to sign other players on the team. So they gave all the money to Dreisaitl. Mm. When he took a haircut, was that login missed? Uh, yeah, that's locker <laughs> missed. Yeah, locker that's missed. That's okay. That's yeah. <laughs> it sells at your local drugstore. You can pick it up. <laughs> Billy, wish we had more time. It's always a pleasure. I mean, great insights, and uh, I'm going to hold you to that 12-5 figure. We'll see. If oh, yeah. Fa- no, you, well, you're, you're an avid <laughs> hockey man, Johnny. You, you follow it and you play it well. You know what's going down. There you go. Jordan Stahl and Falk. Uh, that hasn't even oh, entered no, the... Johnny, equ- you, you write them down. Take them both. <laughs> take them both. Don't, don't have a fight over it. Okay. All right. Good to talk. And uh, 
thanks for all your time and uh, you know the memories. Hey, Johnny, and... I'm disappointed that you don't have me on more often. Oh well, you know what? I didn't know you were available. You know we're what? Still trying to move up the ratings. Every time I call, Natty says you're cleaning the pool. You can't come to the phone. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Oh no, she's well trained. Okay. She's well trained. <laughs> okay, there you go. You got yourself in trouble. I knew it was going to happen I if I <laughs> eventually get me in trouble. <laughs> Always. We'll talk real, real soon, Bill. Thanks. Okay, John. You got Thanks it. Thanks very much. Over and out. Billy Waters, again, broadcaster, former assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, quite a long stint he had as well here at 640 Toronto. We'll come back. The Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.